Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 7 of the Nerdflix podcast. It's Friday, March 22nd, and we are in for a fun show after almost nearly a two-year absence. Can you believe it, guys? <laughs> I thought we weren't going to mention the absence. Oh, I meant the two-week absence. That's better. <laughs> yes. I, I feel well-rested. Well and, you know, we, we've done a lot of intros in the past, but we're going to cut it short this time. Uh, you can find us on uh, iTunes, and you can email us at nerdflixpodcast at gmail.com. I'm joined on my left today by Austin Kent. Hello. And on my right by John Thomas. Hello, everybody. And I am your host for the night. I am Mikey Simons. And uh, today we're going to have our news items, our What You've Been Watching, our Top Ten, and our feature discussion today is going to be House of Cards, a Netflix original series. Uh, let's get right into it. Uh, news for the day. John, what you got for us? Um, so I am a big uh, revenge movie guy, and uh, I love seeing people do really, really bad things to other people, and then uh, things that just make you want to uh, see that person die. Uh, for and then uh, about a half hour later, hour later, then you get to see them die. Um, and so I'm happy to find out that uh, they are remaking Death Wish, which is one of the like original uh, revenge movies. And I always liked the story of Death Wish, but I always hated Charles Bronson. So I think this is a perfect candidate for a remake. Um, because I think that they can actually make it better than the original, which I've always said those are the kind of movies they should be remaking. Uh, Not the ones that were already well done the first time, but they should remake the ones that had potential, but um, for some reason they didn't live up to their potential, like uh, it was filmed in the 70s starring Charles Bronson. Um, So anyway, they've... uh, Joe Carnahan was actually going to direct this thing, um, and he just recently backed out. So now they've handed it off to a director named Gerardo Naranjo, and um, I don't know much about him. He's kind of a a festival darling because he directed a a film called Miss Bala, which got a lot of attention, Um, but uh, should be good. It It was a crime story, which I would assume that's why they're handing him the Death Wish franchise. Um, but other than that, I'm pretty excited to see it. Should be out next year sometime. All right, Austin, what you got for us? Um, yeah, nothing really. Uh, I, I kind of forgot that we had this segment in the show. Well, we all kind of forgot that we were even doing a podcast. That's true. I meant for the two weeks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, two weeks. <laughs> two weeks. That brings us back to our first episode. We were talking about how they're going to remake Total Recall. Oh yeah, did yep. anyone see that? No. Um, no. Oh, <laughs> uh, huge success. Yes, <laughs> it looked really interesting. Um, so yeah, I was just going to say that Spielberg is residing over or residing. Let's just go with that word uh, over cans this year, like so, like the boobies. <laughs> yes. It's a really weird news how do, story. How do I get that job? I want to reside over some cans. <laughs> Tired of being the uh, the king of populist filmmaking. <laughs> oh, man. So you're saying he's opening quickly. a strip club. <laughs> yes. Um, I'm talking about the film festival. Gotcha. Right. So th- I just thought that was an unusual choice because usually it's not such a popular filmmaker. So now he like is in charge of running the festival. Yeah, like the, the, every year there's an honorary host or something like yeah. that. Because um, that seems strange that they would pick a director. Well, I don't know. It just seems like filmmaking would be a different skill than running a huge event like a festival. Right. I'm I'm sure it's light on activities, and I, I think he uh, is presides over the panel that judges. Or oh, that. Okay. So. Um, he he was there for E.T. I'm not sure if he's been there <laughs> since in competition or anything. That's it. Cool. All right. Now, I kind of want to talk about a, a different type of news item. Um, you guys both heard of Kickstarter, right? I have. I have. The internet, uh, the internet funding project, I guess you could call it. You have an idea, and uh, average Joes will contribute money to your cause, and they kind of get a kickback based on, you know, kind of like items or... Or paraphernalia tied to the what you're producing or what you're developing. Well, there's actually going to a movie in works that's part of the Warner Brothers Studios. Um, now, this was based off a TV show created by Rob Thomas, and it starred Kristen Bell. 
Can you guys guess what that is? That would be Veronica Mars. It so. is. I'm so excited <laughs> about this. I, you know, I could care less that it's Veronica Mars, but I'm more interested in the idea of how this got started. They they actually wanted funding, and they have what, about 30 days to get their funding from all, all the patrons that want to contribute. Um, in 11 hours, they got their $2 million to fund this project. That's pretty good. Yeah. I and, think... Oh, go ahead. Oh, yeah, and they're offering swag. You know, you, you get in from anywhere from $10 to $10,000 worth of a donation, and you get anywhere from a PDF copy of the shooting script, uh, the day the movie releases, uh, T-shirts, movie posters, uh, Blu-rays, um, up to $10,000, which is a speaking extra role in the movie. Now, mm-hmm. oddly enough, all the high-end tickets are, are have been taken, except for the $5,000 one, which still has slots available. Um, it's a private screening of the movie in your local town for up to 50 friends. Hmm. So you're saying we should all pitch in and raise $5,000? So we can all go see it with our friends. Are you a fan of Veronica Mars? I've never actually seen that, but I am a fan of Kristen Bell. I've never seen Veronica Mars. I've heard of it, and I've actually heard of this movie, but I have no idea. What is it? it? It makes me think of like a WB show or something like that. It, it pretty much is. She plays a teen detective. Okay. Um, <laughs> that goes around solving crimes. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's even worse than what I was. It thinking. was a poorly rated show. What I like about this idea is that I mean the show has obviously very very passionate fans, but um, it didn't have enough fans to keep it on the air. But the people who do like it like really really like it. So I mean, if you can't. Uh, it's almost like uh, you're bringing economics into filmmaking now because um, if you can't get a few bucks from a lot of people, you can get a lot of bucks from a few people and still get your movie made. Um, so I think you know if these people are passionate about Veronica Mars that much and they're willing to pay all this money just to have it made and then pay again to see it, Hey, if they love it that much, then more power to them. Um, I think it's kind of cool. Especially since this is uh, still being backed by Warner Brothers. Yeah. So it's it's an independent way to to raise money, but you're still contributing to a, a studio that doesn't want to make the movie anyway. Yeah. And, you know, honestly, on a good note, if the movie doesn't end up getting made, even though they've made $3.8 and they still have 21 days to fund the project, uh, you get your money back. Right. So you're not really out anything. Um, but this isn't the first movie to do this. Short films have been doing it for a while, even an Oscar-winning short film. Uh, it was a short film documentary called Innocente. Mm, haven't seen it, I don't think. Um, apparently, they, they raised $52,000 to to film their movie. Hmm, that's cool. Um, another project, uh, it was an animation project called Animalisa. No, nope. no. doesn't ring a bell no, either. Well, they raised money, too, and they funded their project. So this is the first um, feature film that's been completely funded through Kickstarter? Exactly. Uh, interesting. Have you guys used Kickstarter before? I have never used it, no. No. I've uh, just done a video game. But you you asked for funding, or you donated to a video game? Yeah, I donated to uh, okay. Wasteland, I, too. I, I was going to say, I didn't even know you were a programmer. Yes. <laughs> I'm not. And they'll find that out when they don't get their product. <laughs> Now, what kind of swag did you get for contributing to their cause? Um, I just did the $50 one, so I get the game, but I get a digital copy of it, I believe, before it's released. So, I mean, mm-hmm. if I'm going to pay $50 for the game anyways, I mean, why the hell not contribute yeah. to it? That's kind of neat. I was uh, introduced to Kickstarter through the um, the new uh, digital Bolex camera that's coming out. It's a, it's a film camera, or I mean, a filming, it's a uh, movie camera, I should say. But it's patterned after the old Bolex cameras um, from the 70s, I believe, or maybe 60s. Um, but yeah, anyway, it's a real cool cool camera. But that's how I got introduced to Kickstarter, is they got their start um, on that website as well. It's a terrific idea. The only thing I don't like about it is that, you know, there is that kind of paranoid part of my brain that says now major studios are going to say... Uh, yeah, we'd love to make this movie, but we don't want to pay for it, so let's just go to Kickstarter. So it's right. going to be like, hey, Avengers 3, hey, it's probably going to be a huge hit, and we could pay for it, but why should we when fans will pay for it? So, so we're going to have, so you're saying we're going to have another Fly- Firefly movie? Yeah, I'm, it's, in fact, it's funny that Firefly would be almost uh, one of the very few other um, series that could probably pull off this feat. Um, so Veronica Mars, Firefly, 
um, maybe Arrested Development. Um, but at, that's coming to Netflix. Yeah, but I'm, I'm just saying with right. a rabid fan base, but it got canceled. Right. So in a way, I mean, it is sort of like as the fan base is large, they're just going to fleece the fans first. Like that—that that seems like the logical route to go because then you're out less. It, yeah, it could happen. I mean, I'm—I don't know if it will, but it, it's a possibility. I'm a—you know—I'm a little concerned about that. So hopefully that doesn't become the future of Kickstarter. Right. What about buying? What about the idea of buying your own screen time or being able to? Uh, I believe eight thousand dollars. You're able to name characters in the movie. See, that's really annoying, and that's actually something that was in the Wasteland game. Is there was like two thousand, or probably more like two hundred characters that if you um, paid at this level, you could name a character, and like they'd even like kind of model the picture of the person after you. At the same time, how much of that is you're starting to create content in order to have this? way of making money yeah and i think movies i i consider movies uh works of art and um to a large extent a lot of video games are works of art nowadays too and i would hate to have the artistic process compromised by trying to squeeze in these donors somewhere in your your work of art it would be like if picasso would paint a mangled version of your face if you gave him five bucks on kickstarter on venice beach or something yeah (laughs) in chalk yeah so in light of this recent news, what have you guys been watching? Uh, Austin, what you been watching lately? Um, my God. <laughs> it's, it's only been two weeks. You can't have seen much. Yeah. Um, I've decided to talk about documentaries that I've been watching on Netflix streaming. For some reason, sometimes a documentary seems less daunting than starting a feature film like or a narrative film because you can just absorb information <laughs> and that's kind of been where my brain's been lately so um i've watched quite a few of them um i think i'm just going to talk about uh, one called side by side uh which is a documentary about the film versus digital debate or will digital filmmaking make celluloid obsolete uh, have either of you heard of this i haven't heard of it but that is a fascinating topic to me because i was emotionally scarred <laughs> on this topic once because I went to a, uh, a film festival and the director was up on stage doing a and a and I asked the question that uh, do you ever see yourself working with digital film and this, this was a number of years ago before digital really took off so I was being the visionary and saying you know digital is the future do you ever see yourself working with digital and he like gave me this little chuckle like a really condescending laugh like i was a freaking idiot and then he's like you should always shoot with real film and then every you know all the 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 drones in the audience turned up their nose at me too and and it was humiliating and now everything is digital so i say fuck you director i was right you were wrong do you remember his name because you can drop it right now i i don't know if i want to do that because i he's yeah i don't hate him that much he (laughs) and he's a local filmmaker so uh, yeah. I'm sure some people could guess who it is already. Right. Um, well, it is a little tech-heavy. Um, it's it's a good primer. It Mainly the appeal of the documentary is that it interviews... First of all, for whatever reason, Keanu Reeves is the one interviewing everyone. <laughs> oh, I did hear about this. Right. I, I Yes, and I was really surprised that Keanu was involved in it. Right, he interviews Christopher Nolan, David Fincher, David Lynch. Um, it was a bunch of amazing people right. and Keanu Reeves. Yes, exactly. <laughs> um, and a lot of great cinematographers that aren't household names. So, um, David Fincher made an interesting point. Well, first of all, apparently there's been about 70 forms of digital media since digital has been invented. So most of these forms, most of these there's no possible way to even play these. David Fincher says he, he has a collection of his... David Fincher used to direct music videos. That's where he got to start. And uh, he even did one for Meatloaf. Um, yeah, I'd do anything for love, but I won't do that one. Have David guys? Fincher directed that? Yeah. Oh, my God. That's incredible. He did Madonna's Vogue. He did all kinds of things. Wow. Oh. Interesting. I never knew. But anyways, he said he can't even watch half the stuff anymore because there's no possible way to play it. It's just the player is obsolete. Mm. And another person made an interesting point. I mean, everything is stored on hard drives. Is that correct? Is there any sort of digital format that is not a hard drive? Um, I guess if you 
store it on CDs or something. Or even a solid state right. type okay. drive. That's a good point. Well, I mean, because he was this, this uh, person that was being interviewed was saying a lot of his old projects, you fire up the uh, hard drive and it's click, 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 because if you don't fire them up often, mm. they're just going to brick up. Yeah. So how safe is this digital media at this point? Um, it, it could get to a point where celluloid will always be there, but will we actually lose films because either there's no way to play older digital formats or hard drives are bricking up or it is interesting because right now it's just it's all out there but how permanent is that and how much of an, an investment will it be then to to store everything again on a safer hmm. format that's interesting but i mean i guess that's why everything's moving to cloud storage so maybe we would trust google to fire up the hard drives so they don't go click 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 it's true always on <laughs> um and other than that, it was just interesting to see where everyone stood. Pretty much, Christopher Nolan was the only one that was adamant against uh, going digital. It's not that he says he will never go digital, but he loves film. So, Did he say like what his reason was, other than he just loves film? I mean, was it something about film that he says is still clearly superior to digital? Um, he had his reasons. A lot of them are, he, he feels that digital is not there yet. Okay. Um, there are different reasons for that. Um, interesting things, too, about, like, Keanu was talking to Richard Linklater, and they made um, a Scanner Darkly together. Yeah. Um, and Keanu was kind of giving him a hard time because he's like, normally you have a 10 minutes of film, and then you have to reload. But uh, with with that it was just go, go, go. There was no time to rest because there's nothing to reload. Hmm. So um, apparently David Fincher said on Zodiac, um, Robert Downey Jr. started urinating in <laughs> like bell jars and leaving them <laughs> on the set as a protest because he didn't have any time to take a break to go to his dressing room. Because it was digital, so yeah. there was no... Uh, that's funny. He had to work harder. <laughs> yes, he didn't like it. So, anyways, it's a great documentary. Um, it does get a little tech heavy in the last, like, like, like three fourths of the way through, but um, it's on streaming. Definitely worthwhile. Netflix yes. streaming, mm-hmm. awesome. And I must say, since our last podcast, we've kind of hit up Netflix even harder now than we did before. Yeah, this yeah. is a very Ned- Netflix uh, centric podcast. True. Well, thank you, Austin. John, what have you been watching? Um, I watched a very, very, very bizarre and disturbing movie called Strange Circus, and um, it's by it's a by a Japanese filmmaker, and his name is Shion Sono, and I've never seen anything by him before, and it's also on Netflix streaming, and it's one of those things that um, I just came across and just turned it on, not really knowing what to expect, and holy fuck, <laughs> did I like feel like. Uh, I can't even explain like what this movie does to your head. So um, there, there are things that are so good about it, but there, it's it's awful to watch. And um, I don't know. I, I don't even know what I want to say about it. There's there's incest and there's mental abuse and and there's weird costumes and and um, violence and mutilation and blood and and it's it's disgusting and fascinating well here's the thing though i mean even though it's got all these shockingly and disturbing uh, shockingly disturbing things in it it's not like your run-of-the-mill grindhouse piece of crap i mean it does have a well-written story the acting is amazing the cinematography is beautiful so it's it's a strange circus <laughs> so it's the most aptly named movie ever and it's one of those movies where when it was over it stayed with me and i i had this like yucky feeling about it but i i had to think about it for probably a good four or five hours afterwards and i kept asking myself did i like that movie or not i wasn't even sure if i liked it or not but it definitely made me think um, and and got a visceral reaction from me. So, if you are the type of person who can uh, stomach some more disturbing things, um, then I would recommend it because it is interesting and it will stay with you for a while. You'll definitely get your money's worth out of that one. 
It almost sounded like you were expl- uh, going after a shitty movie assignment. Yeah. Self-assigned. You know, if, if I had known what it was going to be, I probably would have saved it for a shitty movie um, for, you know, when we do our new, our next podcast in two years. <laughs> <laughs> two, two weeks. Yeah. <laughs> um, it kind of sounded uh, like old boy to an extent when you were describing it. You know what? I, I love old boy, and um, but this was worse... The more disturbing than old boy old boy to 11 yeah but it, it's <laughs> it, it's not as good as old boy i mean um but it, it's it was still it's still worth watching but it's more disturbing than old boy for sure it makes old boy look like you know wizard of oz speaking of that did you know that spielberg was going to direct a remake of old boy uh yeah and i've heard all kinds of rumors that have gone around it was spielberg for a while um, will smith was going to star in it right then i think spielberg backed out and spike lee took over Weird. and i think will smith was still attached at that point and i don't know if spike lee was still planning it or if he backed out now but mm-hmm. um hopefully it's dead because if there's one movie that should not be remade um it's definitely old boy Right, and I think it was not going to be as um, shocking as the uh, original. Yeah, no, no, especially if you tone it down, then it's got, yeah, no. Can't do it. That's like taking the cream filling out of the Twinkie and (laughs) saying, here, American audiences, you can't take, you can't handle the cream filling, so let me give you the cake. Wait a minute, it's been two weeks, we don't have Twinkies anymore. (laughs) That's right, I forgot. We have um, Little Debbie cloud cakes now. <laughs> Twinkies are dead. And uh, in the past two weeks, I've seen a few movies. Um, I've seen a couple short films, a couple short animations. Um, but the one I wanted to talk about the most was uh, Looper with uh, Bruce Willis. I really wanted to see that, but I haven't got around to it yet. Yeah, me either. It's, it's, it's a really good time travel movie. Um, essentially what happens is it's, it's said... I want to say about 30 years in the future. You're not going to spoil it for me. I'm not going to spoil it. I'm going to tell you the plot. I'm not going to spoil it. Um, It's set 30 years in the future, and there's a mafia cartel about 60 years in the future that figured out time travel. And since then, since it was developed, they've actually banned it and outlawed it. So the the mafia hired people 30 years in the past to uh, go to a location, and anybody that the mafia in the future, future has problems with they teleport to a given spot at a given time, and there's a guy with a blunderbuss standing there waiting for them. And as soon as they show up, they kill him. No questions asked. And they get paid in silver. Um, they have a, a catch to it, though. When they're finished with you, if they feel that you're, you're, your work is done, they do what's called closing the loop, and they actually send your, the, your future self to that time, and you kill yourself, and you get a gold payout. And you know from that time on, you have 30 years to live. And uh, what happens is the main character uh, eventually sees himself, who's played by Bruce Willis, and he doesn't kill him. And it kind of goes from there. And there's a little bit of psionic powers with uh, the population, little mutations here and there, but it's actually a really, really solid time travel movie. As good as it looks? I was more surprised at seeing the movie than enticed by the trailer hmm. okay well that's good news because I, I was really the trailer had me excited for it it looked really good um, I believe it's a Ryan Johnson directed it yeah um, so and I'm, I'm a fan of his work so um, yeah I was really looking forward to it I'm glad to hear that it's good anything bad about it the um, the psionic angle that they put into it doesn't play out quite so well but it's a minor piece to it it's it's more fascinating to watch what they do with the with the CG than than story driven element. That's cool, but all in all, it was. If you guys get a chance, definitely watch it. I did think it was a little weird how they kind of curved Joseph Gordon-Levitt's eyes downward a little bit to make him look more <laughs> like Bruce Willis. <laughs> Give him that kind of squinty eye look. Yeah, that almost made it more distracting. Like, yeah, I I could almost buy it it would be more believable if they just left his face alone because mm-hmm. you're not really it's not that character at that point it's Bruce Willis so then he looks like he's mocking Bruce Willis or yeah. something well yeah and because we know who Joseph, Joseph Gordon-Levitt's face right. already and we know that's not his face so 
Yeah, if they had done it with some unknown actor, then I guess I wouldn't have even known that they messed with his eyes. There, there's a really neat scene near the beginning of the movie when they first describe your you letting yourself go. Um, one of the guys is on the run, the future selves, and what they do is they grab the current version of him and they torture him. So as as he's running away, they'll 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 carve an address into his arm, and it shows up on the guy. And as he's going to the, lo- the location because he wants the pain to stop, he's like losing feet and arms, and he's just like falling yeah. apart as he's going to the door. That's cool. Now, every time travel movie has at least one like technicality where you say, "Oh, they screwed up there because that couldn't have happened because of this other thing." Um, didn't. Didn't catch anything like Didn't that? Didn't catch anything. It was nice. it was pretty solid. They closed it up at the end. Good. Did they explain why the Mafia is the only one with access to time travel technology? That seems rather that bizarre. Really, <laughs> just it being outlawed was okay. the only reason why they, so they had it. So, more or less, everyone else is behaving themselves and not using the technology other than yeah. the Mafia. I see. Well, obviously, the government would be abusing that like crazy, but <laughs> <laughs> we'll just I'd let that go. And uh, speaking with time travel theme, it's time for our top ten. Uh, I think this week we'll go ahead and skip our number five topic since we've already recorded that, and eventually we'll get that released and published. Uh, so we're going to go ahead and t- move to our top, our number four on our top ten list. Uh, you know what? I'll go ahead and go first. Uh, my number four is Back to the Future trilogy. I couldn't narrow it down for just one. That's cheating. You cheat. Wait, because if I say what my actual feeling is, if what my favorite one is, I will get mocked and laughed at for hours Isn't in the that podcast. Isn't the whole point of so you be being three, on this right? podcast? <laughs> it's not three, it's two. Well, I always dreamt of having a hoverboard. Uh, no, I mean, that one's that one's awesome now, especially, like, it's so 80s. It's the retro vibe you get from this classic. The oh. hoverboard is in three, too, though. That's true. But, but it, it was introduced in two, and yeah. they had the cool-ass hats. Yeah, <laughs> I like the '80s retro bar too, and there's a lot of good stuff in too. Um, Sports almanac. Yeah, I, I hmm. my least favorite part. I don't know about you guys. Is the part where the um, where it's Biff's present. I, I you know where it's just a shitty version of their town, and there's like oh yeah 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 Biff's alternate future. I was yeah. thinking yeah. gifts gifts like gift wrapped present. I'm like he didn't fucking give him a yeah. gift. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Biff's no it's. Yeah, his his version of 1985. The alternate yeah. 1985. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I thought that was all a little too much. The, the, the thing that I liked about part two is that everything that after people watch part one, all the things that they were like wondering about, like, oh, if I had a time machine, I would have done this or that. And then they kind of address that in part two. Like, if I had a time machine, I would use it to get rich somehow. Well, they, they kind of show how that is possible and, and what how that would play out. So right. I thought it was good. But on a side note, I like three better than one. Uh, John, what's... Uh, <laughs> one was the best. <laughs> John, what's your uh, number four? Uh, it's uh, funny that Austin brought up Old Boy because that is my number four that <laughs> nice. was sitting here on my list. So um, I was trying to get out of that conversation quickly. But um, yeah, Old Boy is my favorite. Um, directed by uh, Chan Wook Park. And it has one of the greatest fight scenes ever. And... Just because they're Asian doesn't mean that they do kung fu because it has nothing to do with kung fu. It has to do with a really determined mofo in a hallway with a hammer against twenty guys, and it is freaking amazing. It, um, and it's not one of those quick cut film scenes either. No, that's what's special about it is it's all one long take, and uh, so yeah, it's it's really worth watching just for that scene alone. But I have to tell you, the movie is fantastic even outside of that scene. If it didn't have that scene, I would still love this movie. And in fact, looking at my list now, I'm kind of kicking myself. It probably should have been higher than number four. Um, but yeah, this is a great movie. A little bit disturbing in some parts, you know, like uh, he eats a raw squid at one point and some other stuff. Living. But uh, yeah, living squid. And uh, there, there's some things that may arguably be worse than that. Um, but <laughs> just, uh, possibly. just going yeah, with a theme you addressed earlier in the podcast. <laughs> and no spoilers. They, uh, but yeah, this old old boy is an awesome movie and uh, great revenge tale. Like I said, I'm a sucker for revenge tales. They don't get any better than old boy. Highly recommend it. So uh, I've stuck with time travel. Uh, John's obviously stuck with incest. Austin, <laughs> what uh, what theme are you sticking with today? Um, <laughs> thought we weren't gonna spoil that. <laughs> 
someone who hasn't seen Old Boy was just like, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> um, anyways, um, I believe that was Playtime by Jacques Tati. Uh, he was kind of a, um, kind of the chaplain of French cinema, except not at all, because he started in the sound era. <clears throat> Monsieur Hulot was his character, and he he always played him um, in each of his films, kind of like Chaplin had a tramp character. But <clears throat> this this film is interesting because he created an entire city, more or less, um, complete with its own power plant <laughs> to power his city. Um, <clears throat> and it failed, and he pretty much spent the rest of his life trying to get... Yeah, I think he only made one more film. You know what that sounds like? What's that? Synecdoche, New York. <laughs> you know, that's a great point, <clears throat> to an extent. Um, except I would say that Philip Seymour Hoffman's <laughs> Synecdoche is uh, not nearly as... I mean, the film's brilliant, but he's obviously not <laughs> that brilliant of a man. Yeah. Right. And this film is just absolutely incredible. Um, I really want to see it in the theater because there aren't really any close-ups or mediums. Most of it's shot um, where if you were watching it in the theater, these people would probably be about the size of people walking around in these environments. So what year was this made? Uh, 67. Oh, okay. So you're hoping to see a screening like somebody... Okay. Right. Um, Maybe in Hollywood somewhere. But... uh, <clears throat> it, it's mostly physical comedy. There's there's one set piece at a uh, restaurant that is kind of being finished in, right as they're letting people in, and it's just it's probably the f- most brilliantly funny sequence I've ever seen. It's like forty minutes long or something like that. <laughs> so the whole movie's hilarious. It's yeah, um, <laughs> but it, it's funny in a weird way. Uh, the first time you watch it, you're probably just going to say, "Oh, that's clever" or something like that. Yeah. A lot of Tati's films are like that. Where, and he's a very smart filmmaker. What he's saying about modern culture is brilliant. It, it's a, it's a spot on commentary. Hmm. Um, but there's there's almost no dialogue. It's all like incidental dialogue of hearing people say things and nothing's like dramatized it's, it's just like going through these environments yeah um it's, it's a unique one-of-a-kind film what's it called again playtime playtime i'll have to check that out thank you austin and that brings us to our featured discussion today and uh we're going to depart from our normal movie discussion and we're going to talk about a netflix original series um house of cards it is not the first Netflix original series. Lilyhammer started it off. This is their second series. And with another five planned for this year, ranging from dramas to horrors to comedies to thrillers. Um, it is House of Cards. Austin, you ran through the series. You've finished all 13 episodes of season one. That's correct. Um, first, before we give you your impressions of it, what did you think about Netflix releasing all 13 episodes at one go? I actually was going to ask you guys if that was the case because I, you know, we just started this a week ago. <laughs> um, it's just sad that I finished it so quickly. But um, I didn't know if I had just missed out on weekly, but it was all just blop. Yep, they on one day they released all episodes. Yeah, I, I think that's awesome too because one of the things that people love about Netflix is they get to watch on their own schedule. And so by releasing it all at once, um, you know, it, it just allows people the freedom to, you know, run through it or all 13 episodes in a week. It, like you were sick last week, so you had time to do that. Um, so, you know, I, I think if you're hooked on a show, that's my favorite way to watch a show, really. It's like I think I went through the whole first season of 24 in like probably about four or five days. So. Right. Um, actually, yeah, that's the only way I watch TV is if a show comes on Netflix or Hulu, I'll just watch it in a block. <clears throat> and um, I recently got hooked on Downton Abbey. I don't know if either of you... Okay. I've heard of great it. things, but I haven't seen it. Um, and I started watching season three on PBS, just like one, and that was like, I'm just like, okay, I'll just wait. I mean, it, it, it spoils you or something. Like, I can't 
Mad Men, same thing. I watched seasons one through four, and I still haven't started up again just because you kind of disconnect. Yeah, that immediate gratification. Like with Breaking Bad, I watched, I got to that show late, so I watched, ran through seasons one through four, and then season five, you know, I had to wait forever, and then they only play half of it, and now I'm still waiting, like, for the other half to come out, so... It's torturous. I mean, if you can wait, that's why I'm I'm waiting on things like Game of Thrones. I haven't watched yet. I'll wait until it's over. Um, some other things that are on Boardwalk Empire haven't watched. Mm. I'll wait until it's over. So, but given that it's a subscription service and they're dabbling in kind of a broadcast dominated or or even a, a cable dominated market, <clears throat> the fact that they're not trying to stretch out the subscriptions, they're just kind of piling in see or series after series every other month. <clears throat> do you think that's going to hurt them in the long run, or do you think it's going to get too expensive? Um, yeah. Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry, John. Oh, I was just going to say that's really commendable um, by Netflix because you're right. They could have stretched it out and kept people. In fact, most companies would have done that. You know, if this was Facebook or Verizon or AT and T or uh, Walmart, you know, you can you can bet your bottom dollar they would have stretched it out to. Uh, to lengthen these subscriptions but that's what's cool about netflix is they they kind of you know for the most part they appreciate their customers and they give their customers what they want so hey what a novel concept plus if you're already a member this is just free content that they're dropping on your icing on the cake right yeah it's like hulu and the criterion collection i know we've talked about that before but just in the last month they released like seven ozu films that i'd some of them I thought were lost, and it's just like I would have spent hundreds of dollars <laughs> to even have access to these once. Yeah, and it's my seven ninety nine that I'm already paying. Yeah, it's amazing. It's things like that that make you keep coming back even after she hits you. <laughs> <laughs> now, now, John, you've you've only watched two episodes of the of the series. I think I'm on episode five, and we stated before that Austin's finished it. Yep. Um, I'm going to let you take the discussion role of your impressions of the series, so we, Austin and I don't end up blurring something out that you'll regret and beat us for later. <laughs> All right, well, um, first and foremost, um, I have to say that I'm interested in the show. Kevin Spacey's amazing, um, but there's a number of things that I'm really disappointed with, and First off, uh, the, the and this is a main complaint of anybody I talk to that's seen it, is the little um, short clips where Kevin Spacey will stop, break character, and, and uh, talk to the audience. You know, he'll talk to the camera. Um, and it's just something that it's not often done in film and TV, uh, and with good reason. You know, it's, it's not often done because it doesn't often work. And I don't think it works particularly well here. Uh, he does it rarely enough that I could kind of overlook that and get into the show despite that one flaw um, because I'm really interested in it Um, but there's another flaw and this is completely David Fincher's fault I think now Kevin Spacey is such an amazing actor that he can play this part where he is lying to the person he's talking to in 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 the show but we as the audience know that he is lying like we can tell just by his words and his actions that he doesn't really mean it so he's playing the part he's walking this fine line where he's convincing enough that we believe this other character believes him but we also believe that we're smarter than that character and we know that he's lying even though we had no previous knowledge of whether this is a lie or not we we can tell by the way that he plays the part um, so now they also do this other thing that's unnecessary where the camera will cut away, look at Kevin Spacey's face, and he will say, roll his eyes at the camera to let the audience know, hey, I just lied to this person. Um, and I can't stand that. It's like, you know what? He's such an amazing actor that he already conveyed that he's lying to this person. You don't need to have that separate cutaway shot to to beat us over the head with it. You know, David Fincher should treat his audience like they are as smart as he is or at least close to it. And I think when you give a little too much hand-holding, it almost insults the audience and intelligence and makes it a less enjoyable experience. Now, being a little further in the series, I, I actually talked to you briefly about this before, that I mentioned that when he breaks character and addresses the audience, it was actually getting kind of annoying. Uh, being three more episodes into it, he still does it, mm-hmm. But 
you kind of get over it, not because he's doing it frequently or less frequently, <clears throat> but because he starts losing his ground. So even though he's doing it, and you know that he's lying to these people, mm-hmm. it's not working. Um, that and all the gratuitous nudity make me happy for the show. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I would have to say... I, first of all, I understand, and the way Fincher frames it, and I think his framing of this is unique in that he will start with um, <clears throat> um, Kevin Spacey will actually turn away from the action in like a shot with three different actors, and then we cut to see him like a close-up talking to us and confiding in us. Yeah. So it's almost like we see him break action and it, it's so jarring it's like an actor getting up and saying i don't want to play the scene anymore almost yeah. um <clears throat> but also i think he's communicating he he wants us to feel his power like as if kevin spacey is not confiding in anyone he's not even confiding in his wife but he's confiding in us we are his mm-hmm. secret friends and we feel his just the vi- vicariously we feel that sense of power and control and it's sort of like Mikey says not to ruin anything but as the show goes on his control starts slipping mm. um, because I mean if, if that was the show and that's what the thrill of that power that would be more or less evil <laughs> because you know he's he's treating democracy so poorly um, and also he's he's the only character that does that if, if he's so much, as you said, he's so much smarter than the rest of his environment, but he's the only one who's entirely insincere. Mm-hmm. So this is a weird political message, I think, because it's not saying that this is politics as usual, because he's literally the only person who is this conniving and this manipulative. <laughs> <laughs> like, everybody else is almost like easy pickings, because they operate by ideologies, and he operates by what can I do to manipulate the landscape in order to find success or <clears throat> I took it as more of get revenge on the president for passing him to passing him for a promotion out of being the minority whip. Yeah, but to an extent that's just <clears throat> someone's fucking with my sense of power and I'm going to correct the situation. So th- there's never really well, I shouldn't go that far, but revenge isn't exactly um what he's after he's he's not directly trying to ruin other people's lives he's just trying to get back control and that's he's also sort of an unreliable narrator because what he's saying is very subjective it's it's almost what he's saying at the time like as you were saying later that power starts kind of slipping he'll say something like well i wasn't exactly expecting that but and then the next thing he says is still like i'm still king of the mountain and i know what i'm doing so would you recommend it you like it um yeah, I mean yes, I do. It's 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 an incredible show to an extent. Like I I'm the way it ends <clears throat> man, it, it's really frustrating not to talk because <laughs> I'm I'm having a, an even a different experience than Mikey. Like there are certain el- parts of the show that just get so dark that it's kind of like what you were talking about with Strange Circus. <laughs> <laughs> oh good. In, in a way, it's it's like you just feel the evil. You just feel the. I guess. I guess at the point I'm at, you really get the sense that he is. He is a genuinely evil person, um, especially with the lengths that him and his wife will go. Um, even with the vow of marriage being on the table, to, to progress this agenda that he came up with. Mm-hmm. He's. I mean, he's sort of. Like his wife and him, that reminds me of the Clintons. Even though I like the Clintons, <laughs> but what I'm saying is, like, I I am a big fan of the Clintons, despite what they are, which is politicians. They they understand the political climate and what they need to do. It's like, in other words, I don't think that they were blissfully happy in their marriage, but their marriage was a political partnership, and I believe that there's there's genuine affection in that but it's not the same sort of possessive qualities and like th- this is the fact that he speaks with a southern accent is he from Alabama is that yeah I think he says he's an Alabama boy or, or Georgia, Georgia. Or he's Georgia, Georgia in there. yeah because of the peach same thing um, the big clitoris yes exactly y- you will find out on episode 3 what we're talking about 
<clears throat> um, so in that way, it kind of reminded me of that. And if you've seen Primary Colors, um, I'm not sure how much of that is expected to be true. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, the movie where John Travolta plays yeah. Bill Clinton. Right. Yeah, but I haven't seen it. Okay. Well, yeah, I mean, Clinton comes off pretty poorly in that film. At the same time, and never mind, this is no reason to go down the road. Um, it, it's just frustrating because the ending of this, the first season is in an entirely different place and than how it starts, and I can't really... Are you looking forward for this series to continue? Oh, yeah. Um, so, in, in that sense, yes. It's, do, you, do you think it was worth them spending $100 million to get the rights for this television show? Is that how much they spent just for the rights? I think that's how it much was, their production... And oh. their, it was close to it, yeah. Well, it they, makes, this show, I think they were pitching this show to HBO or to another... Like uh, Showtime. Yeah, or, I, yeah. In fact, I think it was HBO, to be honest. But anyway, um, it could have been a network like that. But yeah, then... Netflix called and said we want it instead and and Kevin Spacey's production company decided, "Hey, okay, we'll go with Netflix." Hmm. So um yeah, it's well, 100 million, that's what is that? How much more is that than the normal movie these days? Um well, that's a pretty big budget for a movie. Now, for a TV show this size with that much star power, uh 13 episodes, I don't know. It's I really have no idea. It, it's. I think it's on the high side. Right. I think they are expecting this to be as big as The Sopranos or something. I mean, to, that, to invest that much money, that budget's like forty times the the budget of Veronica Mars. Hmm. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> I see what you're saying. Uh, but at the same time, if you put the first two episodes together, you have uh, pretty much a David Venture feature. Yeah. Yeah. Feature. So, I mean, so would you <clears throat> would you recommend this to other people to watch? Yeah, it's it's a fantastic show. Um, as long as you don't mind following it where it goes, um, it's not going to leave you with any good feelings. But <laughs> well, that hearing you say those things actually makes me want to continue and watch it um, because I like shows that are evil and don't leave me with good feelings. So I will probably stick with it just because of the things that you've said. Um, because just based off of what I've seen in the first two episodes, I w- was not impressed enough to continue on with it. Hmm. Yeah, that really surprises me. I-, I thought just because it was so dark. Because I mean, do you like David Fincher? Um, I like Seven. It was on my, it was number five on my uh, huh. top ten list. But um, I don't like everything he does. Uh, didn't he do Benjamin Button too? Yeah, yeah, that was a disaster. So it had um, moments, but yeah, I'm not yeah. going to disagree. Yeah. Um, the game. The it, game was good. I love the game. It, it was okay until the end. <laughs> um, I, it's just because it's not plausible. Is that where? Yeah, you're going I think this? we actually talked about this on a previous episode. Uh, yeah, where, we probably did. Yeah, it was probably at four a.m. And yeah, there was uh, there there was something that happens at the end of that movie that works out just a little too perfectly, um, for it to even be remotely believable. So, um, Fight Club. Oh yeah, yeah. I liked Fight Club, except the part where they stole the plot from Raising Cain. But I guess that's more of the fault of the book than the than the movie. I mean, I, I'm not a big fan of Fight Club. So I mean, to be honest, Zodiac. We shouldn't talk about it anyway. <laughs> yeah, that's that's awesome. It took me a second. That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna say more, but then I was like, uh, let's just let people catch on. Um, have you guys seen Zodiac? No. Is that? No, I'm thinking Mothman Prophecies. Which one's Zodiac? Zodiac's about the San Francisco Zodiac Killer. Um, has Robert Downey Jr. Yep. Okay. Was it good? Oh, yeah. Really? That, that's probably my favorite venture other than the As game. good as Seven or as good as the game? No, I mean, if, if you like Seven... Yeah. Jeez. <laughs> it wasn't condescending. <laughs> <laughs> if you want, I can filibus and tell you why the game is awesome. Wait, but wait, I'll, no, I'll just... Okay, this... Do you, you like Zodiac better than Seven? Yeah. Really? Oh, but, I'm in minority there because nah, I you're don't seriously talking some smack now. I'm I'm to have to watch this movie just so I can like well, see if yeah, I'm, yeah, it won't be okay. good now because you you're, <laughs> you're just gonna be like, okay, we'll see if this movie is as good as seven. And like, you're not even gonna watch the movie. Yeah, that's true. I'll probably have to forget about it for a few years and then watch it on accident. I did like the Social Network. Yeah, yeah, and I, I actually watched that after I finished everything um, in House of Cards, just because I felt 
more like spending some time in that adventure world. Um, yeah. And I rented uh, Girl with Dragon Tattoo, and I haven't watched it yet. Have yeah, you? I have not seen that, and I've, I'm conflicted because some people say the Swedish version is better, and some people say it's worse. So I don't know which one to watch first. Have you seen it, Mikey? Nope. And John, the point at where you're in the series, would you recommend it? Taking out what Austin had said. House of Cards? Yes. Uh, if Austin didn't tell me that it got even darker, then I would not recommend it. So it's a hard sell for you a couple episodes in. Yeah, if at, at episode two, I would have been done with the series. And I stuck with it, like I said, to episode five. About episode four, um, when his plan really starts getting to, to high gear... Um, that's when he starts getting darker and uh, I was hooked at that point. I'm definitely going to finish this series and blab about it to everyone I know. So, basically us. Yeah, <laughs> you guys. Yes, And my kids. <laughs> we'll come back and just talk about it next week. <laughs> I mean, two weeks? Yes, and two weeks. <laughs> that will actually end our discussion for today. I'd like to thank you guys for listening. Uh, once again, this has been the Nerdflix Podcast. Uh, subscribe to us on iTunes, rate us, like us, uh, send us emails. We'd love to hear from anybody uh, aside from Gmail telling us we have no activity and our wallet account is empty at nerdflixpodcast at gmail.com. Have a great weekend, everybody. Woo! And it was under 15 hours. Wow, yeah, that was under an hour.
Okay. Awesome number four, John. Uh, Austin, what have you been watching? Oh, shit. Awesome number four, John. Uh, Austin, what's your number four? Um, to be honest, I was unable to locate my list. and um, so But I'm, it's only been two weeks. <laughs> yeah, I know. How do you misplace that? It's, it's been walking... Walking list? <laughs> I'm sorry. Okay. <laughs> Just didn't walk. Walking in Phoenix. <laughs> Doing my rap career. <laughs> okay. I don't know where... How the hell do we pick this back up? Uh, where did we go? Walking in Phoenix. Oh. It's only been two weeks. Two weeks? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Every time we say two weeks... We should edit in the voice of that woman saying, Oh, yeah. yeah. It's probably on YouTube. Okay. <coughs> Do you want to give me my prompt again? Or? Sure. Awesome number four, John. Awesome number... Okay. Awesome number four, John. Austin, what's your number four? Um, in the two weeks that it's been since our last show... <laughs> Shit. <laughs> <laughs> Alright. Fucking two weeks. We're just gonna have to drive through those tunnel (laughs) exploding trucks until we get to the end. Alright, let's just go for it. Awesome shit. Awesome number four, John. Awesome (laughs) number (laughs) four I'm glad there ain't no driving through this. (laughs) I'm glad we're not on number two, because every time you'd be like awesome number two, John. Awesome number two, John. Austin, what's your... Up our top tens. All right. 